Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Hey, um, who's been enjoying our evangelism series? Yeah? A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark Kelsey was here. And um, he sort of kicked us off. And last week, Pastor Mel was talking about us being open, being available. And the really big bit of that that really smacked me between the eyes was being interruptible. You know, not to be so busy doing your oh-so-spiritual things that you can't be interrupted by a friend who calls you, who needs to chat, who needs some prayer, who needs an answer, who needs some help, moving house or whatever, not to be interruptible. And boldness right at the end there, and uh, that was a great message. If you haven't heard it, jump on the podcast and have a listen, because it's great. Um, Today, I'm talking about um, evangelism, and I just want to shift our focus um, to um, a spiritual dimension, to evangelism, and I've called it pray first, then speak after. So pray, speak. So I've called it P.S., my message is called P.S. P.S. Pray speak. Um, yeah, that's it up there. Look at that. That's obviously what that person's doing, praying. Good. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 16 says this, To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. You ever been to the Fishwick Fresh Food Markets? Or the Belconnen Fresh Food Markets? You know, the kids, we, we, some of the best years of our lives were spent down the far end of Belconnen Markets in the mushroom-shaped park there with our kids when they were... Well, Jemima was never that little. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, kids, kids at the markets are playing games, having fun, doing hopscotch on the slide, calling out to each other. They do not know what is happening around them. Money is changing hands. Power is shifting Businesses are being bought and sold. Deals are being struck. Things are happening that are important and the kids are unaware. And, you know, we, we can um, cultivate a spiritual awareness that will really help us when it comes to evangelism. Um, there's, a, there's a spiritual dimension to life that is just as real as the seat you're sitting on right now. Just as real, but you can't see it. So real is this other world, this other part of our world that is with me all the time. I'm walking down the hallway in my school and I know that the Holy Spirit is with me. I'm aware that there's something else. It's not just carpeted hallway, human, dealing with other humans. There's something more. So much is it a part of our lives that I stand there in worship and the Holy Spirit's telling me that there's someone here who needs prayer for healing for their hamstring on their right leg and there's someone else who's got a problem with their ribs up here and I really want to pray for you after church if, that's, if you're in either of those situations because he told me so that you could get healed. And this is all just, you know, by the by. This is normal. This is our normal because we're Christians. There's another dimension going on but we can become unaware of it. We can sort of tune it out and tone it down and, and it can get kind of drowned out and that's bad. Um, but when it comes to your friend who doesn't know Christ yet, doesn't know God the way you do, doesn't know that he's in a good mood, 
doesn't know that he wants to help you in every possible way and can do so much more than you can possibly imagine. doesn't know that. Think of your friend who doesn't know that and ask yourself, what is really going on in their world? Ask God to show you what is happening around them and what's happening with them and what's happening to them at the moment. What stage are they in? What phase are they in in coming closer to you, God? Show me. Open my eyes and let me see the spiritual dimension of what's going on because God's grace is always at work. And we have to tune into what, what is he up to? I feel like, you know, he's like a, like a naughty boy sometimes. I ask, God, what are you up to here? He's like, well, I've got some sneaky little ways. And if you want, I can show you a bit of that. And you can go, oh, well, I'll jump on that. Why wouldn't I get on that sweet gravy train that's already running rather than trying to generate my own power to do something totally different that might even work against what God's already doing? Awesome. Jesus is saying in that verse that he wishes that this generation would grow up and see what's happening. Take a look around. There's some really important power shifts happening in the lives of people that you know. So that's all introduction. Point one is prayer for awareness. Point one is prayer. No surprise there. Prayer for awareness. The people that we're talking about that don't know Christ the way we do, they're lost. Lost. Have you ever been lost and you knew full well that you were lost? Like you, you're driving along and you miss a turn and you go, oh, I'm pretty sure I missed a turn. Oh, yeah, I did. I don't recognize any of this. Uh, okay, I'll go, go a bit further and make sure that that's right. It might be a bit further along. You go further and that confirms it. Yeah, I really am. I'm, I'm lost. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll turn here and see if I can cut across and join up with where I was supposed to be. You do that and it doesn't work. And you're even more lost than ever. But you're lost, but you know you're lost. Next question. Have you ever been lost for a while before it started to dawn on you that you're lost? Different scenario. You're lost, but you don't know you're lost. The Bible uses this word lost to describe people who don't know God yet. They haven't met Jesus, they haven't given their lives to him and come alive on the inside the way we have, starting a brand new kind of life, but their lives are following pathways. Everybody's doing stuff, everybody's pursuing things and heading in directions, everybody's on a journey, even if they're only pursuing entertainment. You know, oh, the next hit, the next movie that comes out, the next vacation I go on is all-consuming for a lot of people I know. All that their lives are is, is entertainment. It's all they pursue. But Pastor Mark Kelsey and Pastor Mel last week were both talking about stories of lost things, the lost coin that the woman turned the house upside down looking for, the lost sheep that we left behind the 99 to go back out and go find that one and bring it home. And the lost sons. And in the, the parable, the story of the, the prodigal son, there were two lost sons. One was lost and kind of had a moment, like an aha moment where he woke up and went, I'm in a pigsty. What am I doing here? This is not right. I should be somewhere else. I am lost. He was lost and he knew it. The other son was just as lost, but he didn't know. Two lost sons in one story. 
the biggest problem that we face with our friends who don't know God like we do is that unawareness. That's the biggest problem. Until they see there's any sort of a problem, why would they set about fixing things? I'm fine. My life's fine. I'm going to the movies. Going on a holiday. Everything's good. Got my entertainment. I'm sweet. What is it that causes the unawareness? Well, the Bible describes it as spiritual blindness, actually. Blindness. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see. Can't. Can't see. The light of the gospel. They can't see it. They have blindness over their minds, so it makes it really important how we respond. Really important. If someone just can't see through no fault of their own because they're blind and you are judgmental towards them for something they can't help, what good will that do? If they're blind and they can't see, what good is it to try to teach them facts about the Bible? Don't judge them, don't teach them, don't even argue with them. Like you cannot argue someone into the kingdom of God. It's a miracle when they come to the kingdom of God because of something miraculous that happens and because their eyes become open and they realize, what am I doing here? And they come, they're born into the kingdom of God. It's not from argument. Argument might help along the journey somewhere as you dip in and out, but you can't argue someone into the kingdom. That's not how it works. John 3 verse 3 says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. So, everyone just do this exercise with me. I I want you to pretend that you are blind. So the best way probably to do that is to shut your eyes real tight and cover them over like that. Everyone do that. You ready? While you've, got, while you've got your eyes shut, I'm going to describe something to you. And we'll see how much good it does. I'm holding something in my hand. It's a thing, it's a physical thing, but it's not really just a physical thing. It represents so much. What's inside it is just as important as the outside packaging. And if you use it, it's like an access point to a whole new you. It's like an access point to a whole new life. If you use this, if you take it, don't just let it sit on your shelf, but if you take it and put it to work, it will transform your health. And because it transforms your health, it will transform everything else. Okay, open your eyes. What do you think I'm talking about? I'm talking about my gym pass. (laughs) If you take this and apply it in your life, it will transform your health. Don't just leave it sitting on the shelf. You see how difficult it is when someone is blind. I can talk about the Bible to you till I'm blue in the face. But if you're blind, it's really hard. There's a sort of a mismatch in the approach. Sometimes it can be a waste of energy trying to be bold and witness to this friend right now in this situation. Because they're not ready and it's not right. And it will be received differently to when their eyes have come open and they're ready, and they're open, and it's the moment. 
You know that God moment when someone says to you, so I've been meaning to ask you about your faith, and you go, okay, but don't go, what do I do now? Make sure you've got a plan of some sort. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. Just let me pull out my phone and check my, yeah, that's right. Easy, one, two, three points. That's right. Here's how I can describe my faith. Really simple, so you can grab a hold of it. I've got my plan and I'm ready to rumble for this moment right here. But when someone's not in that moment, it's really difficult. I'm going to tell you whether you want to hear it or not. Who's ever been there or seen that happening? (laughs) I'm going to yell at you in civic. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for compromising my whole faith, stranger. All right. Okay, we've, we've done that. So what should our reaction be? Pray. Pray. Start praying that the blindness will be removed. Start speaking against that spirit that is blinding their mind. Do you know that you have been given authority in Christ to speak to it and start bossing it around and start saying this and declaring that? Once that veil is lifted and they can see for themselves, I am metaphorically in a pigsty. I don't want to be here, actually. How did I get here? How do I get out? If you have been living your life just shining your light, just being yourself, just being real, being a Christian, telling them what you believe from time to time in little bits, if they ask, if it comes up, and just living your life with integrity, when that moment happens and their eyes come open, guess who they're going to come to find? You. They're going to make a beeline for you. I know who'll know. That guy. And they will come find you and ask you. And you'll be in that moment. And be good to be ready. <laughs> how did I get here? And how do I get out of here? I'm going to ask that person. You know, um, when, I, when I was a few years ago, quite a few years ago, when I was working for the church, we, had, um, we didn't have this amazing facility and we used to rent to, to set up church every week. And we had some neighbours who were also tenants in the same big building. And we, got, we struck up a bit of a relationship and um, we had all sorts of dealings with each other and used to have a cup of tea together. And actually one time, one time he had a sore knee and I said, oh, let me pray for it. And I prayed for it and it got, it got better instantly. And he went, oh, that's better, thanks. Nothing more. He didn't say anything more about that. We just moved on. Um, but, but his daughter had a baby and a year later, she said, we'd really love to do a little ceremony for our baby to, you know, celebrate. And I said, well, we do that at church, you know, it's like a, we call it dedicating the baby to God. Would you like to do that? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't really want to do it at church. So I went off site and dedicated her baby at the club, down at the club, with all her friends who don't know God. And I read Proverbs and I prayed. I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll tell you how it's going to be. It's going to be all about my faith, you know. So she said, that's cool, yeah. Because we know you, you know, you're not judgmental. You'll be really gracious about it. So that's great. So I went and dedicated her baby. Not a church, not with, as far as I know, no Christian people in the room. And then I moved on. 18 months later, would you like to come and do that with our second child? Okay, sure. Not much contact in between. Yeah, sure. Came and did another one. That's it. Haven't heard from her for years. She contacted me on Facebook this week and said, when our oldest turned five and started going to Brindabella Christian College, she came home one day and said, 
can you take us to church because we want to learn more about Jesus? And she said, oh, I don't know anything about church. Oh, hang on. Stu, what was his church called again? C3, that's right, C3. They're now at C3 Belconnen and the whole family's following Christ. And I didn't do anything and I didn't even know. All I was doing was shining my light. And when her moment came of openness, when her eyes came open, she went, uh, who do I go to? I know, C3. I'll go to C3. Wouldn't it be great if thousands of people across Canberra had a moment of openness and thought, where will I go? I know, I'll go to C3. doesn't matter if it's down in Monash or over in Belconnen or here at Watson. I'll go to C3 because I've got a friend who's told me that they go to C3. That'll be where I'll go because I know what they're like when they're at work. They're a great person. They treat me with respect. We talk about things. They don't judge me. So I'm going to C3. Wouldn't that be great? Awesome. Uh, we, we used to have, I used to work in the uh, Competition and Consumer Commission and we had a, a commissioner who was like the, the law enforcer dude. We had an education approach and we had a, we're going to take you to court and sue you approach. And he was this guy. And uh, so he ran the enforcement committee. But he, we tried to run an education campaign in Northern Territory about how to make sure that your business doesn't breach the law in relation to colluding with other businesses in illegal ways. Two or three people signed up and we cancelled it because of lack of interest. Um, A short time later, we ran a successful court case against, we sued a group of taxi companies that were colluding illegally under the Act and fined each director $220,000. Then we advertised another education campaign and the town hall was packed. Standing room only. They had become aware that there was something they needed to know. I call it the Satesh principle, actually, in my life. Name it after him. There's a gap and suddenly I'm motivated to find out what I need to know. And when you're telling your friend about Christ, the gospel has got power. Whether they're ready or not, no matter any time, 24 hours a day, you tell anyone you like because the gospel is power. You just put it out there. Here's the message. Make it as simple and fast as possible to spit out and just leave it and sit, just let it sit with them and go, I've done my job and see ya. You know, like it's got power. It'll just sit there and it'll go, and just resonate inside them and have an effect. The gospel has power. Sure. But wow, when they're ready, my goodness, it's totally different. When they are hungry to know, you've got to tell me, what's the difference in your life? You're like, whoa, easy, tiger. Don't worry, I'll tell you. <laughs> I've got my, I'm ready to go. Um, the Satesh principle. Yes, it reminds me of that story of Elisha and his servant. You know, his servant goes to the window and he looks out and he goes, it's hopeless. We're surrounded by an enemy that's really powerful, goes back and gives Elisha that news. And Elisha doesn't say, God, please change the situation. He just says, can you just open his eyes? And he goes back and has another look at the same situation and goes, oh yeah, there's the mighty army that's surrounding us and there's the host of heaven surrounding them. We're going to be fine. And Elisha says, I know. It's like that. When the eyes come open and you can see something you couldn't see before. Don't expect blind people to suddenly be able to see unless you 
dig deep and pray and change it by removing the blindness. Okay, point two, pray against strongholds. The Bible talks about strongholds as, as this mental block, like this huge barrier or obstacle in people's minds. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Sounds exciting. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, going at it and being oppositional to other people. Hang on, don't be a child. Take, up, take a look around. There's a spiritual dimension to this. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you could just leave that up for a sec, guys. We're different. We're living in a physical world, but we're very aware of a spiritual dimension. But sometimes we're just so busy in our lives with all, we do physical carnal things all day on a, you know, fast track, like a hamster on a wheel. And sometimes that makes it a bit blurry and we just lose touch with that spiritual dimension. We've got to refresh it and go in a presence conference or being at the prayer meeting or getting engaged in worship in a way you haven't before, really leaning in. All those things kind of top you up and refresh and go, that's right, there's a spiritual dimension to this. I've got to look at this a different way, etc. What domain do strongholds exist in? Arguments, pretension, thought. They're all up here, right? In the mind. Your friend who doesn't yet know Jesus has got wrong ideas about God. He's in a bad mood. They've got strong opinions about terrorism and religion and stuff. They've got thoughts that are strongholds, like a big tower that you, I could belt at this thing all day and I will not make an impact, that stop them from receiving the truth. But you can tear them down in prayer. Fixed ways of thinking about things can be softened, they can be weakened, they can be taken down a piece at a time, they can also just be smashed in a moment. A closed mind suddenly becomes an open mind. And you've got to be careful that you don't go, all right, I know where you're at, dude. You're here and you'll never listen. And then suddenly they come to you and ask you something and you go, what are you, being sarcastic or something? They've moved. Be aware. Something has shifted. Go, hang on, this is a moment. This is a God moment. You're suddenly open-minded about this. I don't know what happened, but I'm ready. I've got my message. I'm good to go. I've had God use the weirdest things to, to spark people. You know, they tell me about this scene in a movie that, you know, it was only 20 seconds of the whole two-hour movie. And, they, and they're telling me, and I'm thinking, that's a really unholy movie. <laughs> okay, God, can you use that? Are you allowed to do that, God? He, he does. He uses anything and everything, magazine articles, current events, anything you care to name. And they will come to you and go, oh, and this really got me thinking about what happens after we die. And I go, this is a moment. I thought we were talking about a movie, but we're not. And we spend 15 minutes talking about eternity. And I go, wow, that was cool. And you came to me. Cool. So once you pray against the thinking, binding strongholds in Jesus' name, you'll be amazed to see what happens. Things just change. Things just change. So point three is seize the moment. Grab a hold of it when it arrives. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready with an answer. If someone asks you about the hope in you, always be ready. Have it on your phone. Be ready. What was it again? Oh, yeah. Really simple. Really simple to describe it. 
One, two, three. This is the difference that is made for me. That's the gospel. Just have it ready. Have your message ready to go. Easter is a fantastic opportunity. It's not like Christmas. Christmas has lost its spiritual zing. You know, it has, they have succeeded in dumbing it down and making it the holidays and making it all about this and all about that and less about Christ and less about Christ and less about Christ. But it doesn't work with Easter. Easter is still all about Christ. So if you just start, the word Easter just comes out of your mouth. It's, it could, you know, don't know what it could do. If you say, hey, would you like to come to our Easter service? It's on Good Friday. Everybody knows why we have a holiday on Friday, because it's Good Friday, and it's Good Friday because of Christ. So it's an unarguable Christ moment, and it's, just a, it's almost a gift to start conversations. Pray, then pray, then speak up. Be ready. Pray, speak. P.S. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.